How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Because we totally didn't talk before we started recording. So. Don't tell us. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yes. Um. to Sadie and Shane present the super happy fun true detective fun time hour brought to you by Baltic Effect. Um, my name is Sadie. That guy's name is Shane. Wait. Yes. Wait. As, as you may have gleaned from the title of the show that I just said. And um, this week's episode is called, I can't remember, like what's it called? Something weird. It's called Down Will Come. Yeah, that's as weird. And cradles and rocking and babies and stuff. Okay, sure. Really? Down will come? Well, there is a slight baby, you know, thing happening in this episode. Oh, there is. It's true. And let's see. Do we have a song? No. Do we have a quiz? No. Let's start talking about the show. Holy shit. Let's talk. Let's do it. You know, we don't have a song and we don't have a quiz. We have an email. Oh, that's right. Let's do that. You want to read it? I will read this one. This is Brickdale Finish. Woo-hoo. Sorry, I got to do everything. Uh, send us a, a pre-episode email. So that's why we're reading it now at the beginning of the episode instead of at the end. Uh, he says, hello, gentlemen and ladies. Hello, Brickdale. Hi. I've been thinking about this after listening to your episode three podcast, and I have come up with a theory of what's going on. I wanted to send this before watching episode four in a couple of hours and having my theory shredded by new facts. I think the Russian mob decided they didn't want to work with Frank, and so they were working through Casper. When the detectives opened his safe deposit box, they found papers of companies he was setting up. Perhaps these were shell companies he was using to use Russian mob money to buy land for this deal. Also, the diamonds were maybe payment to Casper from the Russians. The Russian mob didn't know, though, about Casper's other life. I think in the Hollywood apartment, he was filming some sort of bondage slash M film, and he then liked to watch. I'd have to go back and watch the episode, but I think there was some sort of hook or something on the ceiling where someone could be tied up. That missing woman somehow got caught up in this. She was working at clubs up north, where Casper regularly went both for business, buying land for the Russians, and also to see his doctor. Springfield? Something went wrong, something went wrong and that woman was killed. Birdman had some connection to her. He killed Casper to get revenge and punish him, he shot off his dick because of the sex angle and burned out his eyes because of the watching angle. Birdman also ransacked Casper's mansion to find and destroy any copies of the film. You know what, pause. I did not think about his eyes being taken out because of him watching. Oh. Interesting point, Bert. Uh, it, for it really is, uh, yeah. Unpause. <laughs> Random odd connection. I think the mayor was in some of those films, but I don't think he's the Birdman. Maybe the mayor's assistant? All right, that's my theory. Let's see if tonight blows it full of holes like a rubber shotgun blast. <laughs> Signed, Brickdale slash Bruce. Yep, very nice. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with all of that. I think, yeah, 
I think, well, I think, I think you know, we talked last week a little bit about uh, them having them filming, you know, sex parties or orgies or whatever in that house. Mm-hmm. And my idea was that uh, Casper was doing a remote subscription service and getting it sent to him because there's that modem there by the camera. Yeah. So Rook Jones could be right. He, that could just be like Casper spits all that up and does it and then takes it home and watches it. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, it could be. Also, yep. Okay. But yeah, I I, I like this theory very very much. I think it's a I think it's a, yeah. Shut up. Maybe Bricktails is our new future seeing fuck. Whoa 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 whoa. Let's calm down there. Let's not jump <laughs> over that line until we're ready. Okay. Okay. I've All right. Embraced that from the first time that Trent used it. Okay. Anyway. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, cool. Let's talk about this week. Okay. So I have everything like last week broken down into individuals and then. Uh, and pairings and couplings and, and trio we got this week. So okay. who, who do you want to talk about first? I have, well, I have one thing to mention before okay. we even get into the episode, which is I, I think I mentioned this to you off the air last week. Uh, I realized this last week, but forgot to mention it on the show. Oh, yes. they are, uh, they are changing the credit lyrics. Yes. Every episode. Yes. Uh, the, uh, Third or fourth stanza changes every time. The rest of it's the same, but I didn't notice anything particularly weird or crazy this week. But just that's something to look out for is that every week there's a little something different in the in the lyrics. Yeah. So I wrote down what I what I'm pretty sure is the different this week. Do you want to hear what's different this week? Yes, please. So um, uh, let's see. Blah blah blah. I think this is where it starts being different. I live it full. I live it wise. Through layers of time, you can't divide. My woman's here, my children too. Their graves are safe from ghosts like you in places deep with roots entwined. I live the life I've left behind. I think that the first few lines that you said were new. Uh, I know the part about the wife and child and the ghosts okay. like you has been okay. on there before. Yeah. So I want to, I would like to like, I'm going to go back maybe like at the end of the whole show through I'm sure someone out there has written them all down and find oh, what yeah. what the differences are and maybe try to place them into the show because I think there's yeah yeah different stuff that has to do with the show but in places deep with roots entwined I think it's really interesting because it's it's very like I think this is about Frank and this episode was very Frank heavy and just everything that he had had going on before he tried to go legit, and now he's having to go back. And um, yeah, yeah. So let's start with Frank then. Let's do that. Okay. Um, avocado trees. <laughs> the first thing. Yeah. And uh, he, I thought you'd be able to. I thought you'd be able to taste it off your finger if the soil was bad. That was kind of awesome because there are people who like grow trees who are like, no, we can't grow it in the soil. This tastes bad. That scene also gave me the impression that Frank got a lot of money very quickly, and part of what he was thinking is, okay, rich people have things like avocado trees, and he didn't do the research. He didn't mm. like say, will my land support this? You know, exactly. He just said, I want this. Get it for me. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, I listened to um, this side note, sort of. I listened to a podcast called Welcome to Vinci which is um, interesting because when I listen to it, it doesn't actually spoil the show. It comes out right after, and I always listen to it the next day. It doesn't spoil the show, but it has to do with, like, sort of locations and different things about the show. And um, so yeah. it, talk, it talks this week about the locations and the, the house that Frank um, lives in. And, you know, obviously it's a real house, and it's totally awesome, like, you know, mid-century modern, really cool. And they actually did an interview with the girl who lives in Velcoro's house, which is actually right next door to 
uh, what's it called, Vernon, Vernon's uh, city hall and police place. And yeah, she, she's one of the like 100 people who lives in this giant city that supports like 18,000 workers, but only has 100 people living in it. So yeah, pretty yeah. interesting. So yeah. The more you know. Bing! <laughs> um, so the whole kid and adoption thing um, with him. And he, Frank says you don't do somebody else's time. Yeah. What, and talking about adopting a kid and saying, you know, this kid is going to come with its own issues and background from wherever we get it from, and I don't want to deal with that. So that makes me – that and other things make me wonder – do you think Frank actually wants a kid, or do you think this is something that he feels he should do, or that his wife is interested in? No, I think I think he is one of those men men who really does want their own kid. I, yeah, there there are people like that. But it who, has to be his biological kid. Yeah, or he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, it's like the same kind of men who don't go down on women. <laughs> I don't know why I That's make that connection. That's not a real That's thing. Not a real thing. Nobody does that. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> people like that think in that, you know. Um, did you watch The Sopranos? I did, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, I remember? I didn't really watch it, but there was that one character that uh, yep. he, they made fun of him because he liked yeah. to go down on women. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, mobsters especially do not do that shit. They they don't, I don't know if it's a real thing, but that's my, that's my thing. Mobsters don't and do that shit. The adoption thing reminded me of... Uh, did you did you watch Mad Men? No, I watched the first oh, yeah. two and a half seasons and I got really bored. <clears throat> uh, well, sorry that you got bored. I know, I know, I'm by... I know I'm wrong. And one day when um I like win the lottery and have like <laughs> a week, or, my friend uh, Mary like had a surgery recently and then she watched all of Breaking Bad. I need to like have a surgery where I need to like be bedridden and then I will do uh, <laughs> Mad Men. I will, but I just don't have time right now to like do it. I don't. And I love okay. John Hamm. Well, was, He's awesome. There were a few episodes, I forget what season it was, but there were a few episodes where Pete and his wife, Tree, were trying to have a kid, and they couldn't have a kid, and Tree brings up adoption, and Pete immediately goes to that, and I thought of it as sort of a, like a mid-century macho thing. Of, mm-hmm. No, I, I will not raise another man's child, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it was a, a big character moment for him. Hmm. It's not another man's child. When you adopt a child, it becomes your child. That's, that's kind of the thing. That's how that works. That's how that okay, works. Getting so, back to True Detective. So, yeah. Um, so, his, Frank's wife, I don't know who she is, but do you know who Ann Archer is? No. She's the wife in, um, uh, you know, the one with Michael Douglas and, um, and Glenn the Close. The one with Michael Douglas. The one with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. Fatal Attraction. Oh, okay. So, her, the wife in that. She, the, Frank's wife looks just like her. Like, but somehow she got older, but then got younger. But then she has a weird accent. Does she have a weird accent or is it just me? Not that I've noticed, but I'm not always the best at noticing those things. I am not. Her voice is weird. I don't know what it is about her, but she looks like hmm. Ann Archer and her voice is weird. And I'm, uh, she kind of bugs me. Um, so let me see. Oh, also, I, was, I wrote, um, I wish I could have a shot before work because he's like doing a shot of whiskey. I got to go to work. Damn. Who exactly is telling you you can't, Sadie? Well, sort of, you know, like the, the, I guess the lawyers that I work with, I think, would sort of frown upon that. Ah, you know what? They're lawyers. If watching TV has taught me anything, lawyers, they drink. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway so, so then Frank starts Listen calling in. Don't drink and drive and don't drink and go to work. Frank starts calling in favors. Um, my, mm-hmm. my problem with this, and it was my problem even before I listened to other people say it, this all sort of, every scene sort of seems the same with, with that. Uh, every scene with Frank in it seems the same? Yeah, Frank like calling in his favors sort of well, seems the same. they're hammering home the whole thing that they've been doing for a few episodes now of... Frank is desperate. Frank is mm-hmm. trying to get back to where he was. Frank is falling back down to where he was before. And yeah, it is really repetitive. And I do yep. trust the show and I trust mm-hmm. that they know what they're doing. I do wonder if the having four leads instead of two leads this season might have thrown off the storytelling. Okay. Because I feel like the detectives are getting more to do than Frank is and his storyline is sort of stagnating. Okay, I am super glad you said that. A, I wrote the word desperate with two lines under it, and, and you said mm-hmm. that, and that's great. Um, B, I'm going to put this, these words out there, and I hope that no one hates me. I'm sort of, um, I like the show. It's, it's doing mm-hmm. well. And what, I say, what you said, I, I trust the writers, and they're going to get me there. It's like, you know, just I'm going to fake it till I make it. But <laughs> I am a little bit, if I wasn't podcasting about this show, I might be a little bored and, and might stop watching until like the end and, and power through it. I'm not. Well, I feel like hopefully this episode was an anomaly because I think the first three episodes were good. Mm-hmm. This one felt a little bit until the giant thing that happens at the end of the episode. Damn. Felt like a placeholder. Cause, um, cause damn. Can we just, can I just yeah. say also the last fucking eight minutes? Damn. Really? Yeah. I mean, that well, did, we'll that did, there. yeah, we will get there. We will get there. So oh, yeah. damn. So li- listeners like who are like, fuck you. Episode, yeah. <laughs> most of this episode is like a placeholder where the story isn't moved forward very much. Yeah. Uh, but well, I, like we said, you know, we're in, obviously we're sticking with it. We're going to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's all right. Okay. To, I'm going to work on it a little bit. Pizzoletto. It's it, it's true. Okay, so so we had. I'm just gonna kind of like bump through Frank then. So we had him calling in his favor with the first guy with the consignment of the drugs. I'll pay you five percent. It's not a one time number. That's awesome. Go. That's and cool. I wrote, down, uh, I wrote down the line from that scene where he says he wants coke, crystal, and whatever they call MDMA now. <laughs> it's true because I call it ecstasy <laughs> and other people call it Molly. Yeah, but, yep. I've, I've heard a lot of names. Yeah, and in the olden days for me, Molly was only when it became when it came powdered in a capsule, and ecstasy was when it was a pill, and they usually had like a little stamp on it, like Michael Jordan or something. And I think around here, MDMA, MDMA is still kind of like the big city drug. I've never really seen it in the wild here, so I don't know that much about it. Yeah. Okay. So the next one. Oh, also, he he never lost a tooth, and he had never had any cavities. I'm not really sure what the hell that meant, but. Except that also, he tore out that guy's... Don't do drugs. What? I said, also, listeners, don't do drugs. I feel like if we talk about drugs, we have to mention don't do drugs. The more you know. Bing! <clears throat> okay. Listen, listeners, we, we trust you. You're grown-ups. You do what you want, and you make we sure... We hope you, you're grown-ups. You make it to work the next day, and you, you or when you need to, and you do what you want to do. So, Shane, you can say okay. don't do drugs. I'm going to say, listeners, do, okay. what, do what you need to do. Make yourself to work the next day and coconut water. Dude. I'm just saying don't blame us, you know? 
Well, yeah, it's you're, not like you're, you're grown up. If you're watching True Detective, you better be grown ups. And, you better uh, be. You know, make your own decisions and be responsible for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Bing. <laughs> the more you know. So the next place he goes to is the apartment complex, and there's 200 beaners living there. I love love the phrase beaners. Love it. Oh yeah, it's uh, classy. It's super classy because because um you know what because Mexicans eat beans and no one else does so. Hey, what happened to the fancy man who uses fancy man words, Frank? I know, right? <laughs> well, yeah. What was what is um what's he what do you say later? What was that word? Douche or poosh oh, or koosh? I have it. I wrote it. I wrote it down. Did you look it uh, up? It's, yes, it's loosh. And loosh. I've never heard this word before. Did you look it up? Uh, the the definition online uh, for loosh is disreputable or sordid in a rakish or appealing way. Ooh, so, so like Han Solo. When you call, when you call him Sean Connery, basically, yeah, it's somebody that's you know flouting society but looks really cool doing it. Awesome! Thank you so much for looking it up. I wrote it down. And I'm like, I hope he looks it up. You are the best co-host <laughs> ever. You are. Uh, yeah. Wait, do do Trent and they and Nick listen to this? Cause... No. Nope. Okay. Good. Nope. We're all good. Nope. <laughs> and neither does Bill. So we're all cool. So um, uh, I love that he he's like, you need help, you know, managing and collecting. And the guy's like, I already paid, I, I paid you for this thing. And I already paid Chisani. This is fucked up what Frank is doing. It's fucked up. But he's being totally, oh, he's being totally godfather about this shit. It's like, well, you know, you can like, well, you know, not pay me or I'll, you know, fuck your shit up. So, this is two weeks in a row that we've seen Frank go to people that he has already made deals with yeah. and renege on those deals. Well, and he said, at first he said 30%, and then we leave. He's like, okay, so 40%. We'll see you in the first. Dude. Dude, fuck Rude. you. Yeah. You've seen The Godfather, right? No. <sighs> Shane. It's Shane. on the list. Shane, okay, you need to come here. You need you need to come to Portland okay. for a I don't weekend. Need to come to Portland to watch The Godfather. No, I but you, watch The Godfather here. No, but you need to come to Portland, and I need to like tie you to a chair and make you watch the shit you need to fucking watch. God damn it! I feel like this is going to become like a Clockwork Orange scenario. Like yeah, right open thing. Yeah, okay, but no, well, uh, yeah. You need to come to Alabama, and I'll force you to watch Mad Men. Well, I, okay, fine, deal. Deal. Okay, so then he goes to um creepy guy who used to apparently fuck his wife. And that guy was super creepy. He's like, hey, beautiful. Hey, remember how we used to fuck? Like, essentially in front of his her husband. Hey, remember how we used to fuck and how pretty you are? And remember how I'm a billionaire now? Yeah. Oh, I know, right? How I'm a billionaire now and now you're married to this guy who's coming to me? Remember how we used to fuck? Mm-hmm. Call me. Damn. I mean, so... Yeah. Um, at the beginning, we're saying the Frank scenes are sort of repetitive, but no, they're actually sort of very much different as we talk about them. They are different from each other, but they together form a theme that has been repeated. It's true. And then I wrote it, wrote shot again. Down, Frank gets shot down. Frank gets shot down. Well, he, he's not getting shot down. He's He's doing what he wants to do, I think. Okay, well, all right, he's not getting shot down by the people he's shaking down because yeah. they can't do anything. But well, all of the people he's trying to get business investments from are shooting him down. Yeah, and that guy was like, I'll get back to you. So what do you say? I wrote it down. This is awesome. I wanted to, um, what is it? Uh, I wanted to um, cool my heels. I'd go to a credit union. Or drag my heels. Mm-hmm. I'd go to a credit union. Yeah, and like, yeah. Why, why did you even have this meeting? Because, like, well, yeah. Again, he's desperate, which... 
Yes, he's desperate. It's, we know. But he, yeah. he, I mean, yeah, you're desperate enough to go to like someone your wife used to fuck. That's that's pretty yeah. fucking desperate. So, yeah, <laughs> I like Frank as a character. I like that he's doing this, and I like that she's questioning yeah. oh, him on it. And, and when he, Vince is doing a great job. He is, and when he says, "Have is something I'm saying giving you the impression I have a choice here," which is great. <laughs> yeah, like he's has no money left. That guy stole seven fucking million dollars from him. You know, and she's kind of well, like, why are you being such a dick? Well, okay, I guess by killing Casper, Birdman stole the money from him. But I mean, yeah, Casper was holding the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, Frank shouldn't have done the deal that way. He should have had things in writing. It's true. It's true. It is. It's Frank's fault for not being a savvy businessman because he's trying to get legit. And, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, people make mistakes yeah. and it's fucked. And I feel bad for him at this point. I actually like um, when I watch the show, I feel a certain way when we talk about it. I'm like, damn, now I feel really bad. That sucks. Because <laughs> it's yeah. And I was going to make a well, God, Godfather reference, but you, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't get it. So um, so then the uh, Amarillo guy and like uh, that guy. And so, yeah, the pimp. Yeah. So. But then, so Frank mentions something about him to uh, Johnny Unflappable, <laughs> which he calls him. So how does, where does, no, sorry. where does the Frank connection come into that guy? How does he know about him? Wait, you said he mentions him to him? To Johnny Unflappable, his red-haired, um, like, lackey oh, guy? Um, wait, Ray told Frank. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then he calls him a louche and says pit boss. And he's like, I don't know how to be a pit boss. And then, um, oh, Chisani and this, someone wants the poker room, which is interesting. I like that they, he calls this casino a poker room. I think it's more than a poker well, room. Yeah. Chisani mentioned that to him like two episodes ago when Frank was short on his bride money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Chisani. Chisani's fucked. We found out more about Chisani this episode, too. We did. Let's move on to, really quick, because Ray, by himself, had literally two scenes just by himself. So let's just get those over with. Okay. Um, he was with his partner. Remind par- me, what were those two scenes? Yeah, he was with his partner and found the, the watch. Um, and, yes, at and, the pawn shop. Yes, and then... Was that, all right, was that Ray or was that Paul that found the watch? Oh, Oh, you're right. That was that was Paul. Yep. So the the only scene with Ray by himself was giving his son the badge. Which, uh, for the yep. listener, there's a GIF online that I wish I could tell you how to search for, but it's <laughs> this thing that is a match of. All right, there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer Simpson backs slowly into a hedge, and then there's this episode where Ray backs slowly into the darkness. It's so and cool. Side by side, and it's a perfect match, and I love it. It was really cool, and Shane sent it to me, and I watched it like seventy five hundred times because it was. Oh wait, you know what? I'll find it. I'll put it on the Facebook page. Let's oh yeah, the multi Facebook page. I'll put it there. Yeah, do that. Okay, so let me see what do I have written down as three. Um, Annie by herself. Let's talk about Annie. Well, no, let's go back to Paul because I fucked up on that partner watch thing. So he found <laughs> that. How, so how were they? How were they at the pawn shop? How that? How they get there? That was just a routine thing of, uh, well, I guess we'll check some pawn shops because oh, okay. they had the watch and they, had some stuff and they thought, well, maybe um, maybe somebody's been going to pawn shops. You know, just like how yeah. they sent Paul on uh, hooker duty, you know, like maybe hookers have seen him, you know, or, you check everything. Or maybe wait, or maybe your, ex, maybe your friend from the army is there and maybe you should go home and fuck him. So we'll get yeah, to that. You know. Yeah. Did you want to talk about um, Ray with his son? Yeah, do you want to talk Chad. about that? 
Yeah, just a little bit. I mean, it yeah, was sure. a good scene. It was um, a good scene. So I think Chad does care for Ray. Oh, of course. Uh, I hate that he's going to have to hide that badge from his mom. How is he going to hide that fucking cube? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. In his closet or something. In, the, hide stuff. in the magic hedge but, where his dad disappeared. <laughs> the magic hedge. Now I'm picturing that it leads to some sort of other dimension or something. Yeah. Like, what's that? I mean, never mind. Go on. <laughs> okay. Uh, point being, I thought that was a nice scene between the two of them. I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Chad, but uh, I'm sure he'll come back. But I thought that was a great scene between the two of them. It was really nice. Yeah, that kid is a really good actor. I like him, and I yeah, and I oh, feel yeah. I feel really bad for him. Like I just I'm sorry. That He's I'm stuck really... in an impossible situation because well, he loves his dad and he wants to know him better, but he can't see him because of the situation with his mom and dad and. His dad is weirdly violent and yells a lot, so he's yep. probably very conflicted. And also, he's a pudgy ginger. Like, I'm just, I'm sorry for him for that. And he's okay. named Chad. You need to calm down about the Chad thing. I just never knew a good Chad. That's a lot. <laughs> okay, but when I looked at my notes, um, uh, this episode was directed by uh, Jeremy Potiswaw. Um, who, I did not know who that is. He directed a whole bunch of uh, Game of Thrones. He's just one of those names that I notice oh, all the time. Okay. And he, yeah, he probably did like a bunch of other HBO shows also. He's just one of those HBO go-to guys. And yeah. what, what's cool about him is he does do like good action things. I think that he, I'm, I'm probably going to get yelled at from listeners, but um, I think that he directed the uh, great big uh, snow fight at, um, God damn it, like the second to last episode. Third to last episode of Game of Thrones. Oh, the wall. Yeah, the not not no, the no, wall. Not the wall. Sorry, the one with the ice zombies. Yeah, the, alert, yes, that one. Ice zombies. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think that he directed that one. So besides Michelle okay. McLaren, he is one of the best, like you know, action directors. So kudos yeah. to your fucking thing at the end, which we will get to. So you yes. need just keep listening. We'll get there. All right, so Paul, so Paul uh, wakes up um, to uh, the guy, and so I'm kind of confused okay, as to how that happened. That he, a guy he, that he already knew, or was that somebody that was at that bar that just took him home? No, I think that was the guy. I think that was the guy that he. That, no, I don't. I don't think that was the guy from really? the army days. Really? I didn't pay that close of attention, I guess. I okay. Because he was at the bar, and they were talking about being at the bar. But he was not at the bar with his army guy. His army guy. He was at the race with his army guy. Oh, okay. All right. So I I'm sorry. This is just somebody that he picked up at the bar, or that picked him up at the bar. All right. So I'm. And he was investigating at the, uh, the at Frank's club last week. I am mad at whoever podcast I listened to who said that. Probably after about no, you know fuck what? you guys. I be entirely wrong. I didn't actually go on IMDb and check. But I know that's the impression I got. And I didn't go back and look either to last week to see who he punched. And I'm kind of thinking, like, why would you punch the guy and then that guy would sleep with you? I think you're probably right. And what's that club called? Because the club has an awesome name. Oh, the oh, uh, Lux, Lux, Lux Infinitum. Yeah, awesome club name. I would never go there. We discussed that last week. Yeah, because you told me about Bono. I would never go there. <laughs> Sounds awful. Oh, no, I probably wouldn't either. I don't like loud places. I, I like loud places, but I would never go there. Um, but, 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 I'm sorry. And so this podcast I did listen to is like, I'm sorry, I'm not gay, but I wake up in the morning and I've slept with someone and he's got waffles and he recorded the game. Fine. I'm down. Yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah. really, what, what is your problem? And then he said fuck a bunch of times. And I loved, I loved him in the cab 
the tears without really crying, just the tears. Good acting. Mm -hmm. Good acting. Taylor Kitsch, who I've never heard of before this. Kudos, dude. Uh, you need to watch Friday Night Lights. He's, he's great on that show. I know. Uh, he played like, the bad boy quarterback that get, gets drunk all day. And anyway. My sister um, loves that show, and I'm not watching anything about football, except for the league. So. It's not about the football. I know, I know. And also, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure that, like, what's that, uh, uh, Nashville. I'm sure Nashville's not about the music. I'm sure it's not either, and I just, I just don't have time. So do we think that Paul's police bike getting stolen is coincidence or is it related like somebody trying to get back at him on this case somehow? Do you think it's his police bike or his own bike? Oh, maybe it's his own bike. I okay, think it's his own bike. A coincidence. Okay. I think it's his own bike. And, and I don't know either way, like either way, because yeah. of the whole car thing from last week when someone just like stole the car, brought it back, set it on fire to fuck with that guy. Whoever is yeah. behind all this shit, I can't wait to find out, honestly. I'm, like, really excited to find out because someone is diabolical. <laughs> like, someone <laughs> really has some shit going on. Like, really. But um, but I liked the guy. And so, like, so really, Paul, so Paul just hooked up with some rando and got so fucked up that he went home with some rando and had sex with him? This doesn't seem yeah, like I mean, him. It's possible even that his drink was dosed or something. It's, I don't know. But it's that possible. Guy, that guy he woke up with seemed too nice for that. But He seemed really nice. Bill Cosby seems nice, too. Ooh, too soon. And no, no, it's never too soon. It's never too soon for being a fucked up asshole. Um, okay, so then he hooks up with his girlfriend. Um, who is ex-girlfriend? Well, he doesn't hook up with her. Oh, well, no, goes to he meet her. He up with her. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. And then it turns out that just because everybody has sexual problems doesn't mean that you can't get knocked up. Oh, dude, what if, what if, let me just put this out there, what if it's not his? Hmm. Who else has she been fucking? I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe because that's the, that's the dramatic thing to do, that he doesn't enjoy sex with her. He's gay. He doesn't want to be with a woman, and yet he wants to he doesn't and, want to be with a woman but he wants to want to be with a woman and now this pregnancy thing is going to make him feel better for a minute and then so this is what i wrote down we should get married because <laughs> that'll I make me a like, not gay and and b everything will be cool i kind of feel like paul was raised in the 1960s oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't you know, know. Like we've talked about this before. Like you live in Southern California in 2015. What, what social mores are you that concerned about when it comes to being? Why, why are you that worried about people thinking you're gay? I know. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't know because because I think something it's going to come out later. Something really terrible happened. Something to do with his mom. Either his mom having sex with him well, or she his was mom. In the trailer for next week. Or his mom. Oh, really? Don't tell me. I don't watch trailers. You don't so, watch trailers. No, not really. Nope. Oh, okay. Good to know. We can, we, okay, you can tell me it in a second. You really can. But so either she did something bad to him or she hooked him up with people because he was hot and he was like forced to have gay sex and then it made him weird and I don't know. Because you know that people can turn you gay. You know that, no, right? I don't think that he was, I don't think he was forced to have gay sex because okay. I think that, I think the vibe I got, unfortunately, was that his mom's attracted to him and that she wants him for herself. <sighs> American Horror know, Story season three. CBS, but this is true detective. It's HBO. It is. It is. All right. Well, I'm done with what I wrote down as four. 
But okay. um, let's see. Uh, I never approached three. So we, did we talk about Annie yet? Just her by herself? No, we haven't. All right. So Let's talk um, about Annie. yeah. So the things just by her by herself um, with her sister. And That's what, I like that we got more Athena this week, and I like that they had a cordial conversation and a good relationship. It seems. Uh huh. That was nice. Yeah. And you know, she's not really doing anything wrong. And what she said was, she's like mm-hmm. trying to raise some money for school, and I'm gonna like jack off in front of computers for a couple of weeks, and then I'm done. And, uh, Athena mentioned. Uh, she doesn't do quote unquote real hooking, mm-hmm. but there are parties up north. Yep. Yes, I mean, she this did. Is the time that people have mentioned shit going down in Northern California. I know, right? So let's not go there. Listeners, well, don't I'm go to Northern say, California. It's, it's fucked blue. up there. Well, no, no. Yeah, I know. Definitely. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. And also that Annie took her mom's knife, and it was the only thing she took. After her well, mom died. Annie likes her knives. We've established that. <laughs> she does. And we will get to her knife later also. So that's pretty much the only Annie by herself scene. Uh, let's see. I have anything else. No, I'm good. Okay. Um, bu- 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 so let's do, let's do. So we're moving on to people with each other. Um, Ray and Paul. Ray and Paul was a good okay. scene. Uh, that was a very good scene. I thought that I was really happy that uh, Ray was so supportive and so easygoing and like, look, it's cool. We're going to take you home. We're going to get some Pedialyte in you. You're going to be okay. Well, he couldn't take him home either because he was like, don't you have a shower at your hotel? And he's like, I can't, I yeah, can't go there. You, yeah. I'm going to take you to a new hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Take you to a new hotel and get Pedialyte. That was so cool. And then also like, like open up the, the thing and pick your poison, like pick your cure. And there was oh, yeah, pills and weed. And... Yeah. No, um, yeah. no coconut water though. I'm sorry, Ray, get some coconut water in your fucking thing. Cause that's the cure for everything. It really is. You really want coconut water that's been in a glove compartment? It doesn't matter. You don't have to, you don't have to chill that shit. It's better when it's chilled, but you don't have to chill it. Okay. It's really good. It's, it's the ultimate cure all listeners. Ultimate cure all. If you're hungover right now, Go get yourself some coconut water. Not that shit that's like in the can that's all sweet. Coconut water. Okay, yeah. Baltic Effect brought to you National by coconut, coconut water. water. National Coconut Water Company is the official sponsor of the True Detective Podcast. Yeah. No, we're brought to you by Super grapes. Happy fun time hour. We're brought to you yes, by grapes. Because what do you find? In case stupid? anybody wants to make bingo cards, we're brought to you by grapes. <laughs> it's true. Um, so let's see what else. Uh, his bike was stolen. Reporters were there. Or the actress and um, so yeah. So he said like the actress and the uh, um, Black Mountain thing. What is it? It's not mm-hmm. Black Mountain. Is it Black Mountain? Yeah. No, Black Mountain is the company. Yeah. Yeah, and the, that's a cakewalk compared to like what you're about to go through. So just like let that all go and yeah. Did everything they, oh, he did everything they said. It didn't matter. That was a great, he was really fucking good this episode. He was really good. Yeah. He was really Ray good. Ray is becoming my favorite of the four of them. I, he's really picking up episode to episode. Question. Who is this show about? Who's the main character of this show? Answer. I would say, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think all four of them have legitimate points of view, mm-hmm. but I think that the, like audience surrogate or the person you're supposed to follow the most is probably Ray. I think that his journey is the most important journey. Awesome. Awesome. Me too. Yeah, I think so too. But also, yeah, 
I don't know. The show is like, it's kind of thwarting me because it's, I don't know who to pay most attention to like from moment mm-hmm. to moment. But I think you're right. I think Ray is a thing. And it's funny that like in the second episode, they fucking killed him. And they're like, oh, ha, 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 ha. No, no, we didn't. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I like him. He's, but at the same time, I don't know. We're only four episodes in. Is this eight or ten episodes? The show. I don't remember what was last season. I thought it was, I think it's eight. I think it's eight, too. That's what I was thinking. If you had asked me, you know, without saying eight or ten, if you just said how many episodes, I would say eight. So we're halfway through the season now. Yeah, exactly. And so we need to be maybe focusing. But at the same time, I think, like, they're all going to come together at some point because I mean, right now we have, you know, Annie, Ray and Paul, they're law enforcement and Frank is not in that. It's weird that we have this like strange dichotomy of those guys doing their thing, him doing their thing, but they're all kind of on the same thing. They've made a few connections. Like obviously Frank and Ray have been dealing with for years. Yeah. And then you have, uh, Frank shows up, uh, at, the his club at the same time as Paul, so there's that mm-hmm. sort of glance back and forth, but there's not uh, a lot of connection between them yet. Mm-hmm. And I felt like at the end of the first episode, when they all looked at each other, I felt like they all had some kind of connection before. I think I'm wrong about that, but I think yeah. but now looking back on that, I think the way they looked at each other brought forward the connections they were going to have. Just I'm looking yeah, at you yeah, and I have shadowing. Yeah. yeah. I love Annie and Ray's relationship, which let's move on to Annie and Ray. Okay. So yeah, Annie and Ray in the car. Yeah. I love those guys together. I really do. I think they have, they have, they have the most rust and uh, Marty relationship. Absolutely. And yeah. they are having uh they are getting to know each other over these episodes so well. And like I said uh, last week, you know, he saved her life. And then I think from that moment on, she's been upgrading him in her mind and she's disregarding her superiors telling her, you got to get us this guy. You got to find out what's wrong with him, who he's in with. Mm -hmm. She's saying he's cool. I'm going to stick with him. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think so too. I think, yeah. And especially now that he's kind of gone sober ish as Frank called him. <laughs> like I like this sober ish Ray. Who's not like dropping his head every time I talk to him. Mm-hmm. He's just, and that's so cute. He, he, he's drinking beer. And so that mm-hmm. makes him sober. He's not drinking shot well, after shot after shot of Johnny Walker black. Blue. Yeah. What was the blue? Okay. God, I sorry. Because I, I, I look, sorry. It's, Blue is a more exclusive one. It's a super expensive one. And I noticed it in that episode. And okay. I noticed it in this episode that that's what Frank was reading at home. Ah, nice. Nice. See, nice. if we had a quiz on this show, we could do detail. But, yeah. but we don't. But we don't. We can't. So, There's only two of us. So everything that's happening to Annie, we, sh- we didn't talk about that earlier. So everything that's happening to Annie, is this all because of um, because of Chisani? Is he Is he behind all of this? He's behind a good amount of it. I mean, he's what's happening with her at the department and getting, yeah, I think that's his revenge because he said last week that he wanted her head on a platter. Yeah, he did. Yep. And he's definitely got his fingers in enough pies. Like, I think they brought out this week how old his family is and how long they've been in Vinci. Mm-hmm. And it's important that his family has been there for decades and, you know, they've had scandals come up and nobody's and, ever gone to jail. Yep. And never he gone lives to jail. in Bel Air. <laughs> The biggest house. 
like in Bel Air. Mm-hmm. And so, did yeah. you know that like the uh, the um, what's it called? The actual town, um, uh, not Vinci, but Vernon, Vernon. So they had one mayor for like fifty years, and then his son was mayor for fifty years. It's exactly the same way. Like that town has been run by the same family forever. I'm starting to wonder whether there's a connection. Wow, really? I'm kidding. I'm you, kidding. You I'm think kidding. you think there might be? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so let's see. Oh, I liked his line. Um, what's a hand usually out for? That was because. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder. I don't good. know. Skittles. Oh, Skittles. Taste the rainbow. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, and Annie and Paul are expendable. I wrote down in there also. So it's just like they they set these people out on a mission, but they're like, we don't like you. We don't like you. Go out on this mission and fuck up. So well, we can get I, rid of you. I think it was made clear, especially this week, that all of the powers that be in charge of the city, the county, whatever, when they had to investigate this crime, they selected fuck-ups. Yeah. You know? So, so selected that, people that they are willing to lose. Yeah. Which and so that either... But you know what I mean? Like, I didn't think that was done on purpose until this week. Yeah. So that either they won't solve it because they're fuck-ups... Or if they do solve it, we can just like turn it back on them and say fuck you and make you go away, and we mm-hmm. don't we don't like you anymore. Because I mean, yeah, that worked really really well with with Annie. Oh, uh, oh, and my credits, or not my credits, but my uh, um, <laughs> closed captions. One of them yeah. said "honey" instead of "Ani," which was really weird. It's like "look, Ani," and it said "look, honey." No. He well, knows people doing closed captions don't necessarily watch the show on a regular basis, and they're yeah. doing it very quickly. Yep. So they're probably just typing what they hear and moving on. Yeah, but later he said Ani in the same closed captions. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, like look Ani, look honey. So yeah, it was her like superior calling her honey. <laughs> that looks really bad in the closed captions. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Paul's partner, he could give a shit. And uh, I'll sad later. We'll get to that. Um, oh, so do you know who the um, Chisani's daughter is? Uh, the actress, you mean? Yeah. No. It's um, Andrea from Breaking Bad, apparently. Brock's mom. Oh, that's what happened to her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, someone brought it up last week. And I was like, Andrea from Breaking Bad? smoking weed through a hookah or something. Yeah, I'm like, Andrea. As soon as he said Andrea, I went to Walking Dead. And like, which has the same syllables as Breaking Bad, and then he kept talking. I'm like, wait, wait, what? Rewound. Like, oh, Breaking Bad. Who the fuck is Andrea from Breaking Bad? And I had to ask someone else, and I was like, <laughs> oh, Brock's mom. Oh, but yeah. So that's Chisani's daughter. And so, wait, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Are you now saying that it's Andrea from Breaking Bad? It is Andrea from Breaking Bad. Yes. I thought you said it was Andrea from Walking Dead. No, Andrea from Breaking Bad. See, shut up. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. I was thinking of Andrea, the, you know, the governor and all that shit. Okay. No, no, no. Andrea from Breaking Bad. Brock's mom. Okay. Well, yeah. she doesn't make as bad decisions as Andrea from Walking Dead does. Exactly. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Except for... Oh, anyway. Um, oh, oh what, fuck the governor. What I, liked, yeah. what I liked that she said was there's no rules. Like, in her... Yeah, like, being raised, that, there's no rules. That goes in with what I was saying earlier about... Uh, Ray talks about these people aren't going to get punished for what they do. You know, there are no rules. Rules don't apply to them. They've been doing this for decades. They've uh-huh. been this town. That's just the way yeah. it is. And her mom killed herself under the care of um, Dr. Rick Springfield. Wait, and did she kill herself? Uh, all she said was... She said uh, she hanged herself. Her mom was schizophrenic and died in the hospital. Oh, did it say she hung herself? She said that she hanged herself, yes. 
Okay. And then she was under the care of Dr. Rick Springfield. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. And then... What if that's going to come back? I don't know. I don't know. And then, and then, like, the connection with Annie and her mom also killed herself. And and then she said, my father is a very bad person. I gotta go. (laughs) Yeah, it's like she realized she said too much. And then, nope, not talking anymore. Goodbye. Yep. Bye. Mm -hmm. Don't don't talk anymore. People always (laughs) do that shit. So dumb. Okay. Um. Let's see. What else do you want to talk about? Got anyone? Uh, I've got. uh, Speaking of Mayor Tassani's daughter, I've got that. Uh, when they're when they go to do the raid, and again we're going to talk about that in a minute. But when they're all heading out to do that raid, Mayor Chisani gets the homicide line. Did you catch that? Mayor Chisani gets what? He gets a uh, all right on the on the old show Homicide Life on the Street. Uh-huh. It's a detective show on I think NBC back in the day. The captain of the police precinct. Every time they would go out, every episode his catchphrase was always, "Okay, let's be safe out there." And oh. So, Gave that line to Mayor Chisani. Nice. Like saying it sarcastically. Nice. Um, and then the only thing before we get to the the final scene, uh, I do have two semi-recurring things here. Okay. Uh, we this episode broke the record for overhead traffic shots. You want to take a guess how many there were this time? Hmm. Seven. Oh. Oh. You. Price is right. Rules. You lost six. Oh, shit. God damn it. Well, I'm done now. Fuck it. And then the other regular feature is Casper's Clue Corner, uh, which I've got that uh, the watch was pawned by Lito Amarillo, who's a pimp, and uh, he had a Santa Muerte Association, which I mentioned in the first episode. Santa Muerte mm-hmm. is the, state, the, like, the death saint that has its own cult uh, in certain uh, uh, neighborhoods or whatever. Nice. That, was at Casper's house in the first episode. You saw that skeleton dressed up in a Santa Muerte type. Yeah, yeah, style. yeah. So that is prevalent, prevalent, sure, uh, and might be related somehow. That's all I got. Okay, I have a section I forgot to mention um, when uh, Annie goes because it like it starred from Annie and Ray to uh, visiting her dad, and her dad used to mm-hmm. know Doctor Springfield. At Chisani's Lodge yeah. with uh, Theo Chisani, who was Mayor Chisani's dad. And, uh, and Ray has a giant aura. Yes, and also, yes, and Casper used to come to their sen- seminars. And uh, mm-hmm. so Dr. Springfield was studying dynamics of communal living. And boom. And there was something about... I think that that's a, that's a fancy way of saying he was studying people living together. Like, let's hey, all hang out here hey, in this house for a while. Hey. Don't and I'm you... going to say that it's a research paper. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. But then he has the largest aura <laughs> ever, and it's green and black. And what does it mean? Quiz question. That he's a mood ring. Yay. And uh, Fresno soil readings. So there's that. Something about Fresno and the farmland is useless. So there's that. Throwing that piece of paper away. Um, oh, uh, let's see. Um, Ray and Frank together. Um, they talked about Amarillo, and some some spick had something to do with Stan. Some what? Some some spick had something to do with Stan, Stan because oh, cause Frank yeah. is totally not racist at all. And, no, not at all. Yeah, and being poor was behind me. Oh yeah, he's like I thought you weren't last doing week, this anymore. Yeah, being poor was behind me. Yeah, last but, week he said Tommy Jew, and this week we got Beaner and Spick. 
Yep. And we should then, start a regular feature every week where we just keep track of how many racial slurs that Frank is using. And we'll have like a theme song, like da 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 da, da Frank's racial slurs. <laughs> Spick. We need higher production value, Sadie. Yeah, Spick and avocado trees. Um, but <laughs> the line of the episode, though, sometimes your worst self is your best self. That sounds like something I would get in a fortune cookie. Boom. Dude, okay, shut up, Frank. Shut up, Frank. Stop it. Um, let's see, this Annie, all that. Frank Andy. And no grown woman in her right mind would date a cop. So there's that also. Other line of the episode. Yeah. I mean, based on TV, yeah, I can see that. I don't know any actual cops, but cops on TV always have damaged relationships. It's stuff. true. So then the last thing I wrote down was all three, because I do like like individuals, couples, and then all three. So um, they've found the hooker and the pimp and Leto Amarillo and Casper and Rufos. And, oh, here's the thing, though. This is my problem with the episode. Problem with the episode. (laughs) He said known KAs. Do you know what KAs stands for? I got that, too. That's known associates. It's like saying ATM machine. And that's exactly what Chris said when I said that to him. He said it's like... That's awesome. Yep. Known KAs. Known known associates. Boom. Maybe it's known associates that we know about. This. No, that still doesn't make sense. It's no. a very Donald Rumsfeldian sentence, you know. We've got known knowns and known unknowns and unknown knowns. <laughs> I know. And the last, the last season, that was when I had to learn what KAs meant. So when he said mm-hmm. known KAs, I rewound it. I'm like, Wait, no. And then I rewound it again so, today just to make sure that I was, like, not going to, so like... So it was on last season. So, yeah. Leto, you know how to use the term. You've used it last season. Come on. Yep. Give it a program. We all know what DBs are now because last, last season they kept saying DBs and I had to fucking look it up. Dead. Wait, dead bodies. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Oh, oh I just I thought did. You were saying, no, I thought you were saying DD, like designated driver. No, no. DBs. Dead, dead <laughs> okay. bodies. So, yeah. um, so, uh, um... Um, then uh, Dixon was like saying that uh, what he learned in Hookerland, something about parties and high-end girls, and really sad Dixon. Boom. Boom. Okay. Good that, effects, though. You know what I thought when he died uh, was, what the fuck was the point of him taking pictures of Paul? Oh. Because now he's dead. So it's not like we're going to get a scene of him saying, I got pictures of you punching that dude and I think you fucked him. I don't well, know why, but they might they find they might find something they might find something on him that he might not have ever Hang presented, around. and he might just have like a okay. camera or yeah, something on him. Theoretically, he could be carrying around like a hard drive or something. Yeah, or a phone. Pictures of Paul. What yeah. What was he taking pictures of Paul with? A camera. Hmm. Okay. There could be a chip or something. But we we should write this down. If that doesn't come back, if that doesn't come back, that's stupid. We should write that down. Do you want to make an official prediction over whether it will come back or not? No, I just want to know if it ever comes back or not. Because it, okay. it would be stupid if it doesn't. Cause, or, or yeah. you know yeah. what? Or because life happens the way it happens, maybe he took those pictures and maybe it doesn't come back. Because but life works that way, but TV doesn't work that way. I watch way too much TV, and you don't do that unless it's going to come up again. Yeah, that's true. Except know. that sometimes... I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so then I wrote out. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we'll find out uh, in the end that somebody was paying Dixon to do that. Maybe. Oh yeah. I liked him though. I was sad that he that he got 
really, really, really well shot in the head. That was amazing effects. He was the one. He was the one uh, detective on this show that didn't care about his job and was just a terrible slob and didn't seem to uh, have any redeeming value whatsoever. Yeah, I liked him as a character. Sorry, I did. All right, all right. You like terrible people. I understand. I do. I like. That's why we're friends. <laughs> so then I wrote wrote down um goddamn shootout because that was so good. And was, how long did it last? Eight minutes? I think it was like eight minutes, yeah, because I pressed pause and I was like, okay, the rest of this is shootout, and I saw that yesterday. So I think it's eight minutes. Did you have Did you have any problem with everybody died except our three main characters? Nope. You don't have a problem with that? Just nope. narratively? Nope, I okay. don't. No, I don't know why. I don't know why except that it was a really great scene and the mm-hmm. three of them knew what they were getting into, I guess. And like, so I don't who, think so. Who I was, think that was an ambush. Who was everybody else? They didn't have any backup. Who were those people? Well, um, they might be officers that responded on the scene, but there were also people that went with them. They had, remember, uh, they were in the uh, debriefing room talking about, we're going to go do this. And they had a crew mm-hmm. of, you know, like 10, 12 people maybe. Yeah. So there were a bunch of them that were preparing to raid that building. Yeah. But... They, they were set up. I think somebody called the drug dealers and said, hey, they're coming after you. And yeah. Because they shouldn't have been that prepared for it. Well, I mean, the, so, yeah, the second they walked up, the shooting happened. Yeah. Oh, and then the top of the building exploded, and then that van was blocking him off. It was a total setup, but I don't know who did the setup. Mm-hmm. But this is reinforcing the idea that somebody in the police department is involved, because remember, he said that the... Uh, the rubber bullets or whatever were the kind that cops use. Mm. And now we've got, it had to be somebody in the cop, in the police department to tell them that this raid was going to happen. Mm. Uh, but I just felt like somebody else should have survived, you know, but well, um, maybe, uh, maybe they did. Maybe there's other, someone around the corner who, who did. Well, the way they made it look was that it was only our guys that made it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I don't want to think that any of them is, you know, selling the others out, but I don't know. Oh. Maybe it was Teague. But uh, point point being that, uh, you know, this fucked up situation, I want to see what happens now. I want to see yeah. how they all react to it. Annie especially seems like she was pretty torn up about what happened. Well, and Ray, too. What I loved, actually, about the scene was that she and Ray both looked like they were about to throw up and were, like, you know, yeah. shaking and traumatized. And Paul was just and- like totally in his element. That's what he loves. You know, he just wants to ride his bike. He wants to do, he said it earlier that he doesn't want to like be told what to do. He just wants to like know what to do. I think something I think like Paul that is good on, he's great on instinct and he's, he's not great on like when he gets to thinking about things, he thinks about it too much. Yeah. And he was just and like, so boom, boom. The situation he, that was good for him. He was meanwhile, great. Annie, meanwhile, Annie had more fucks in that episode, in that scene than I think they've had in the whole show so far this season. <laughs> yeah. So was that a mess lab upstairs, do you think, that exploded? Uh, I think so. And you know what it reminded me of? What? It really, it was filmed and it being on the top of the building and that explosion and everything really reminded me of that Tuco? episode of Sorry? Hmm. Yeah, when, uh, yeah, when Walt is in that building and he, yeah. uh, sorry for the listener, Breaking Bad, when Paul is in that building and he drops the little homemade bomb or whatever and mm. it blows little, yeah, that is yeah. exactly what it reminded me of. Yep, me too. Yep, exactly. But why was Frank's Casino near that? 
that was weird. That was kind of, a small town. It is, I guess. And yeah. And why did he want his wife to go inside? Like, I don't know. doesn't really matter. There was but... a giant explosion and a shootout. Go inside. Yeah, I guess so. Why doesn't he like both go inside? That's kind well, of. He's being protective. He, he might've gone inside after her, but he was, his first thought was you go inside. There's, you know, he's a crime guy. He might've felt like he could handle himself. But uh-huh. he wants to keep her safe and innocent, and so go inside while the explosions are happening. Okay. All right. I get that. Okay, whatever. Sexist. Which, I mean, I was always taught go inside when there's, you know, gunfights and explosions happening. You know. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so, do you want to do emails? Uh, yes. Uh, do you have anything else? I'm read? sorry. Anything no, else? No, I don't think I have any. Let me check real quick. Scour, scour. Uh, no, I'm good. Why don't you read uh, Bricktail's other email, and then I'll get the one, uh, the other one. Okay. Um, okay. From Bricktail's. Hello, gentlemen and lady. You know what's great? Wait. No, wait. This sounds like... Nope, this is... I'm sorry. That's under the dome. We don't want that. God, no. Well, we could read it, but... But that's not... But it's funny, actually, when we started Under the Dome last night, I'm like, wow, you guys, how about that shootout? Oh, shit, we're talking about <laughs> Under the Dome. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so, um, down will come. Okay, whatever. Um, hello, gentlemen and lady. Again, that's us. Holy crap. Okay, get to that later. Random thoughts and maybe clues from this episode. The first Mrs. Mayer was committed under the care of Dr. Springfield, who apparently used to go camping with Mr. Mayer's dad and Annie's dad at some lake in the woods up north at Chassani's Lodge. I read an article that that suggested what Shane said in a previous episode that this is all connecting to Bohemian Grove, which would fit with this. Mr. Mayer is connected Mm -hmm. with powerful politicians, and it makes sense that his dad was as well. Okay. When he mentions Bohemian Grove there, that's what I was talking about in the first episode where all the politicians go and worship an owl. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I know. Okay. Yes. I know. I've heard I a lot of... That. Yeah, no, I've heard a lot about Bohemian Grove lately. Listeners, look up Bohemian Grove and also at the end of the It'll credits... you out. At the end of the credits when it says created by Nick Pizzolatto and then it has like a... Um, like a street going down like a bunch of trees that looks just like Bohemian Grove, which is weird. Um, so when Annie is talking to her sister, she, oh yeah, unpause. When Annie's talking to her sister and she asks if we remember our memories or did they remember us, it reminded me of her conversation about e-cigs. Do you smoke them or do they smoke you? All right. Here's what it, pause. Here's what it reminded me of. Um, the, uh, um, Sweet Child of Mine by Guns mm-hmm. and Roses. Yeah. Um, She's got eyes that it seems to me remind me of childhood memories. Um, you, you cannot be reminded of a memory. You either are reminded of something or you have a memory. You are not reminded of a memory. Okay, well, I think that you could give some artistic license. I mean, it's a song and you want it to have a certain rhythm and rhyme. Or you could not be a doofus and write stupid lyrics. <laughs> boom, boom. Unpause. Man, that all songs work with internal logic, damn it. All right, I'm going to send you the thing that I just took that from because it's really funny. All right, so um, uh, BTW, what is that? Oh, by the way, um, Annie took her mom's knife as the only thing she wanted to remember her by. Was this the start of her knife obsession? Did her mom stab someone who was trying to hurt her when she was a kid? Maybe her mom felt guilt over not protecting her daughter and that was behind her suicide. Annie's sister... uh, the mom... The mom didn't stab somebody. That knife was uh, the knife that the mom used to carve the driftwood stuff. Oh, 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 true that. Boom. 
Question answered, Brickdales. Um, Annie's right. sister mentions hookers going to parties up north. Um, you have one of the largest auras I've ever seen. That's what your mom said, Rimshot. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> There's a lot about poisoned soil, both with Frank's avocado trees, then in the land around Fresno. Is the plot going to focus on toxic waste dumping? Toxic waste dumping, this has been previously mentioned in regards to Vinci. Or more likely, in my view, was Casper buying up this land very cheaply since it was worthless as farmland, and then the train will be built through here since the land is useless for anything else. Maybe Casper's original plan was to buy up the quarter of land, maybe with Russian mob money, and then get the state to change their train route from the original plan to go through here, which would have had which would have the double effect of making Casper and the Russians millions of dollars, while at the same time making the investments of people who bought into the original site for the rail line, including Frank, completely worthless. Boom. Good theory. Damn. Okay, Casper, really, Bricktails, will you just take over the podcast and do this for us? Because you, you know what's going on. I'm... Yeah. Okay. On pause. Um, Casper's maps went as far as the Lost Coast. Quick Googling. That's way up north of San Francisco in part of the California that is really empty. I thought the proposed train was going to go between San Francisco and L.A. slash San Diego. Would he be bothering with land further north? Or was the proposed train going to go north all the way along the coast to Seattle? And wow, that gunfight at the end. Spoiler alert. Damn. Um, was anyone except Annie, Velcro, and Paul still standing at the end? I was kind of sad that the older cops went down. Obviously, the guy pawning Casper's watch wasn't the murderer, since we're only on episode four. I'm assuming this is a setup, that our main characters were set, sent on a false trail to this guy, because the real killer knew they'd walk straight into a rain of bullets. We'll see you next week. Just call me Johnny Unflappable. Bricktails slash Bruce. Well, I'm going to say uh, Bricktails. I I love I don't know whether you did this on purpose, but I love that he spelled Velcro's name Velcro. Oh, no, I think, uh, and now that's kind of what I want to call him. Well, yeah, I think he's doing that on purpose. I think he's been doing that from the get go. Yep. Oh shit. Yeah. Look at you noticing stuff. Check out the big brains on Lady. <laughs> All right. So what else we got? We got one from. Uh, we have an we have an email from one Joseph Ferreira. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not familiar with him. Has he written into the other multi-defect shows? His name sounds familiar. I think he may have written in once or twice before, but welcome back. Oh, okay. Yeah, welcome back, Joe. I uh, hope you don't mind me calling you Joe. Uh, do yeah. you mind if I read this one? Jesus. Jesus, Shane. Really, really presumptuous. Well, you know, I like that. Okay. Okay. Joe writes, hi, guys. Great show. Thanks for making our experience of this season much more fun. Hey. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, my thoughts on this episode. Forget the comparisons between last year's epic one-take action scene and this year's edit-heavy street war. Let's talk freeze frames. Okay. Remember last season when a similar freeze frame was used to burn that Bigfoot-style image of a gas-masked Reggie Ledoux into our minds? Uh-huh. You know, the meth cook who seemed like such an important lead at the time but ended up basically just being a side plot, <laughs> just like Lido and Maria this season? Uh-huh. In the end... Ledoux ended up being just a link in the chain of bad men that would eventually lead to the real scarred man, Errol Childress. The freeze frame significance of Ledoux was still important, though, as he was actually what would close the case up in 1995 and therefore propel the detectives into a new direction. Ledoux's takedown, sorry, Ledoux's takedown created two hero cops out of Rust and Marty and also shut down the investigation. Then she city officials 
would have good reason to want to close up this investigation in much the same way, possibly even gaining a hero cop of their own out of it. The thing is, season one was really about what happened as a result of this false closure. The true detectives were actually created through what this falsely closed case did to them as characters. In 2012, they would follow the investigation further to its source, but in order to do so and find some meaning in it, the detectives had to struggle through the unsolved mysteries of their own lives first. Which brings us to what is going on with the characters in this season. I think that this episode signifies the moment in time that everything changes for the detectives. The last straw that turns them from just police working on a case to broken people seeking to uncover the truth, to fix something in a way that only they can. The more their old lives are destroyed by the case, the better equipped they become to solve it, just like the detectives in season one. The still frame, the false closure on the case, and the detectives at their lowest points all bring this season a lot closer to the first, and yet is still less exciting without all of the playing with time and all the weird shit from season one. <laughs> I hope this episode marks a break in the flow of the season so far and that the last four episodes will pay off the first four in a way that gets fans and critics back on board and that there is also some more weird shit. <laughs> yes, I want more weird shit always. Uh, is this, what do you think? Thanks. Jill Bear. P.S. I'm working on a deeper look at this episode and the season in general over at cinemist.com. Would love your feedback. Okay. Check and, it out. And I did, but, uh, I did post his, um, his uh, thing on our uh, Baltic Effect. That's right. I saw that on the Facebook page. Yeah. But, so, uh, so what his thing is, it's spelled. Yeah. What his thing is spelled is C I N E M I M Y T H dot com. Cinemyth dot mm-hmm. com. And yeah, really cool. And oh my God, Joe, that was really, really amazing. I was like mouth, like hand in my mouth, like the whole time. Like, <gasps> oh my God. Yeah. You talked, you talked just now about maybe Brick Tales. Or Let's just have the Brick Tales and Joe Bear show. Seriously. I think that would be great. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think we're worthy anymore. So. We're not worthy. We're, we're not, not worthy. worthy. Let's see. There's no no email from Shane. Oh, that's because I'm talking to Shane. Like I'm always looking there's for an email from me. It's just under about under the dome. It's true. So well, I think that uh, that pretty much wraps it up for this evening. Yeah, yes. that does. Um, uh, thank you. That so- wraps it up like Joe in his room full of condoms. Sorry. Yes. Oh God, shut up. That's overkill. <laughs> that's overkill. <laughs> so if you want to write into our show, uh, Shane, where would you do that to? I think you should write it into uh, BalticEffect at gmail.com. And we generally record on Mondays, but for the next couple of weeks, we're recording on Wednesdays, so you can have like a little bit of leeway. Um, if you do mm-hmm. want to write in late, that's totally fine. We'll read it next week at the beginning of the show, what we mm-hmm. did with Bricktails this week. And um, yeah. yeah, until uh, next week, I'm Sadie, and that's Shane. Yep. And we welcome judgment. Come down off your throne and leave your body alone. You are the reason I've been waiting so long Somebody holds the key Well, I'm weary and I'm just in God's time And I'm wasted and kept by my way home
Can't find my way home 